between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.
of me that sits on the throne. For there is beauty in the Lamb that has been slain. You ought to see, you ought to see, you ought to see the Lamb that has been slain. For it is beauty, it is beauty, it is beauty. I am beautiful, I am beautiful, I am beautiful. For my makeup is beautiful. It is in the making, it is the way of the leading of the Lamb to the slaughter that made me beautiful. In that same way, I will raise many. I will raise many. I am a father and I have come yes. to raise sons. I have come to raise sons that would follow that way. That would follow that way. There is help for you in that way. I have sent many, many for to help you in that way. For that way is the making of the beauty in me. It's the making of the beauty that I am. I am giving eyes for to see the beauty. You ought to daily see my beauty. You ought to daily see my beauty. You ought to daily see my beauty. For in singing my beauty, you are leaving. You are leaving and you are cleaving. You are leaving and you are cleaving to the beauty in me. For the beauty in me will become the beauty in you. If you stay in the course as being led as a lamb to the slaughter. Daily behold the lamb. Daily behold the blood of the lamb. Daily behold the lamb. For the living is in the dead. The living is in the dead. The living is in the dead. Mm. Only the dead can live. Only wow. the dead can live. Only the dead can live. For there is so much beauty in death. <laughs> there is so much beauty in death. For I have said, in your ashes, I am bringing forth beauty. I am bringing forth beauty. I am bringing forth beauty. For the throne is for the beautiful ones. It is for the beautiful ones that are beautiful like me. That are beautiful like me. For in me is beauty. Yes. You ought to see beauty. I have come to show you beauty. Behold beauty. I'm giving sight for beauty. Daily, daily beholding beauty. Daily beholding beauty. Beauty, I say beautiful. I say beautiful. I say beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful nature. Beautiful nature. Beautiful is me. I am beautiful. I, your Lord, I am beautiful. Thank you. Yes, 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 thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. For this is great mercy I am having on you. For it is the part of mercy. It is the part of mercy. 
It is the part of mercy. Even the leading of the lamb, it is the part of mercy. It is the part of mercy. For the leading of the lamb is the restoration of the soul of man with strength. For it is mercy. It is mercy. It is mercy that I am restoring strength to man. I am restoring strength to man. For the part and the singing of the lamb and the becoming like the lamb, it is the greatest strength ever. And it is the way of mercy. It is great mercy. It is great mercy. It is even him that sits upon the throne that shows this mercy. Yes. It is mercy beckoning unto you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. Lord, we obtain mercy. We receive mercy. Thank you. Come and lead us, Lord, tonight and help us. We just want to follow your spirit, to follow you. Thank you for your ministering spirits. Thank you for even your angel and his hosts that you have caused to come to minister to us. Lord, we receive their ministry. Help us. Help our heart, Lord, to receive it. Thank you. We want to key into the, the, the point, the place of blessing the spirit tonight. Lord, come on. This blessing that is hanging over us, cause it, Lord, to distill into words, into doctrine, and let it rain upon every heart tonight. Use my vessel and my tongue to speak your word as you desire, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We receive utterance. receive direction. Thank you, our Father. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Good evening. Greetings to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's open our Bibles <clears throat> to... Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.
It is the cry and the panting of the Father for sons. It is the cry, the longing of the Father for sons. For all he does is for men to come, is for men to come. It is the cry, even me sent in the person of man. And I died to pour out my blood and my water was for men. It is for men. It is for men. It is all for men. Even the lamb, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb that has been slain even from the foundation of the earth. It is the cry and the panting of the heart for men. It is his 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 heart for men. For you see the part of the Lord for you to come to the Father. It is a despisable one. It is a despisable one. It is a despisable one. It is not easily seen for it is great secret. It is great secret. It is great secret. It is great secret. It is great secret that is only revealed by the Son and by the Father. By the Son and by the Father. It is the cry of the Father for man. It is the panting of the Father for men to come up to him. It is his cry. It is his cry. And all he does is for man. Thank you, Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Let's open the book of Revelation. Revelation 14, praise God. Thank you. Boyinka, please, can you read for me? Revelations 14. 
And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts, and the elders, and no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are before, they are, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruit unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no girl, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Amen. Praise God. Then, verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of the heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, mm. saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So, um, this chapter 14 he is um, similar to chapter 7, right? Um, initially, you see the lamb in, from verse 1 upon the mountain and with him and 144,000 having his father's name written in their what? In their foreheads. Praise God. And then when you go down to verse 4, it's saying that these are days so of those who are with the Lamb are they which were not defiled with women for they are virgins and these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. And these were redeemed from among men, being, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. Praise God. And in their mouth was found no guide, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And verse 6 then, it says, I saw another angel. Hmm. Fly in the word, mist of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. So, the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. So, you see, in chapter, in verse 6, you see reference to them that dwell on the earth who are different from the company of those who are upon the mountain. So upon the mountain, on the Mount Zion, you have the 140 and 4,000, right? And those who are upon the mountain are those who are, who are redeemed from the earth. In verse 4, it says that these were redeemed from among men. So that word among men is the same thing as redeemed from 
or from the earth or the same sort of thing has been redeemed from the earth. In verse 3, they, they spoke about them as what? The end of, of verse 3, okay, verse 3 says, and the song as it were is a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. So, redeemed from the earth, verse 3. Verse 4, they were redeemed from among men. Then in verse 6, you know, so another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. So, it's clear that those that dwell on the earth are not the same people who were redeemed from the earth. That those who were redeemed from the earth are, they are products of the everlasting gospel. That they have already heard the everlasting gospel and by, by hearing and walking by that gospel, they, they, they obtain something precious. Amen. So, what the everlasting gospel brings about is redemption from the earth. That to redeem from the earth. You know, we spoke about redemption. I mentioned redemption. That redemption is, uh, another word for redemption is, the Bible calls it a better resurrection. A better resurrection. There are those who refuse for their dead to be raised. That they might obtain a better resurrection. It's, not, it's more than just being raised. It's being raised into something else another kind of man. So if these people have been redeemed from men, redeemed from the earth, and the everlasting gospel brought about this redemption, right? So the everlasting gospel um, is the gospel of, is actually a gospel of pushing man forward farther than the terrain where man's life can journey to. Praise God. And man's life has a boundary. And man, when man gets to that boundary, they say for man to, for anybody to move beyond this point, he must be redeemed from among men. Right? He has to, he has to be redeemed from among men. And being redeemed from among men also means being redeemed from the earth. Praise God. So that redemption is the, what the everlasting gospel is actually meant to bring about now. So the everlasting gospel is the gospel, is the content of, or one of the main content, one of the first part of the content of the book of the Lamb, of the Lamb's book of life. Right, so the, the book which the Lamb has is actually a book of a message. It's a message, but it's, it's a life. is also a message. Pray, because when you say a book, every book is meant to be read, right? And if, it's, if you're going to read a book, then what, you get from the, what you're getting from that book is actually some sort of news. It's some sort of gospel. Praise God. So the gospel which... This angel, which, this angel which they call another angel, which was preaching the everlasting gospel um, to them. Now let's see 
unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and what? And people. Amen. Now, these people who he is preaching to, um, let's, see, let's see in chapter 7 of Revelation. Revelation 7, <clears throat> verse 9. He said that after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, right? Now, we say the same thing in chapter 7. You can look at chapter 7 and 14. They are the same kind of scripture. You see chapter 7, chapter 14, chapter 7, chapter 12, and chapter 14. They are describing the same thing. The same, the exact same thing, but with different kind of sight. It's almost like the book of Daniel, that the God kept showing Daniel the same thing, the exact same thing but through different visions. Because different vision with different kind of understanding to arrive at the exact same understanding. And what is the understanding? The, the, the understanding is actually an understanding is to bring about the understanding of the end times. Praise God. That, that was the theme of the book of Daniel. It was actually a revelation of the end times. And Daniel and, and this book of Revelation, they have the same kind of theme which is the revelation of the end times, is not very easy to see what will happen at the end. Towards the time of the end, that's when souls begin to make all kinds of mistakes and misjudgment. Well, because of the, the kind of, when you're getting to the end, the kind of work that has been done at the end, the kind of darkness you get, you reach at the end. It's not just darkness. It becomes thick darkness. From darkness, you move into thick darkness. And, and thick, thick darkness is the environment for strong delusion. According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, right, the, that strong delusion cannot happen under just any kind of, of uh, season. It will take close to the season of the end for that kind of thing. So the end, what's the meaning of end time? When you say end time, end time is, is proximity to, end time is proximity to the power of a, of, of a God. The, when the proximity to the world, the power of a God. If once anything approaching a God, it's coming to its end, it's a law. Once anything is, is approaching, getting closer to a God, it's coming to what? It must end. Nothing can meet a God and continue in the state that it was in before. Otherwise, that thing is not a God. Do you understand what I mean? So, now, when we say end time, the, the revelation of end time in the Bible is not the revelation of calendar years. That say 2022 is closer to the end time. That's not the, the end time of the scripture. The end time of the scripture is talking about the journey of souls. That souls are coming to their end. Right? Every soul has an end. The soul will not journey forever. Do you agree with that? Now, do you believe that the soul is in a constant journey? For when a person, a child gets born, from a young age, the soul is journeying somewhere. Right? That by, by journey, what I mean is change. I mean change. Aha. Uh -huh. So the soul, 
of a person, you know the way your soul is changing. Your soul will not just begin to change like that forever. It will change and change and change till it gets to an end. Yeah. Now, the, nat- the end of every soul is the nature of a God. Praise God. The, the, end of, the, ch- the change of what? The end of the, the change or the journey of every soul is what? The nature of a God. It's the nature. The, the soul will just keep changing, 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 evolving, evolving, evolving. That is getting better, better. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Do you see that? Praise God. So what is actually one of the, the main power of a God is to bring men to their end. That's the power of a God. I'm talking about the power of a God with relative in relation to creation. That's the power of it. That's why the power of a God, God the, the earth is not exposed to that power just like that. I'm using, using the word a God because, because the the um, they are, there's not, there is one God really, but there's another God. Mm-hmm. But there's one God, there is a, it's not every God that is uncreated, there's another God that was created. Yeah. Tell me if you believe, believe that. Mm-hmm. So it's not every God that is, it's not every God that, um, that is uncreated. The only uncreated God is one God. Right, that's Elohim, Elohim in heaven, right? That's, they call it the, the only true God or the one true God. But there are other gods that are liars. Right, there's a, there's a, there's a lying God, <laughs> praise God. Uh-huh. And you now find out that this, the concept of gods, that God concept, is a very strange concept, but there will be a time when the concept of God will not be too strange anymore. Because many men would have journeyed into that state. Yeah, so when you see the city of the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God, it's actually a city of gods who are coming out of God. So the picture at the end is a God who is pregnant with gods. Coming out. Why are they gods? They are gods by inheritance. You know, someone can be a god, but it's not everybody who is a god who was born a god. Right, that's... You can be a god by what? By inheritance. Like, like the first person who became a god by inheritance was Jesus. You, you understand that concept? Do you understand that? The first person who became a god by what? Inheritance. Is who? Is who? Is Jesus. Jesus is the first person. It was by inheritance that he obtained the name of God. It was by inheritance. It wasn't it wasn't the way Jesus is God now. When you see the way he's God, he's, he's God now, where he is right now. I mean, I'm talking about the man, Christ Jesus. Do you understand? The man who? The man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. This thing is, come, is very interesting. <laughs> When you begin to talk in this area, sometimes you can be very, you have to be very careful. (laughs) 
Let me say this way. Do you know that the second person of, in the Trinity is not Jesus? Have I, got, have I touched something inside you? Because you know that Jesus came on the scene at some point. The first time we heard Jesus was an angel who came and said that Luke, give her to a child, book of Luke chapter 1, and when you give her, you shall call his name Jesus. Why will you call his name Jesus? Because he shall be great. And then he will be great and then he will inherit the throne of his father, David. So, this child you will give birth to has to become great. <laughs> and then he will come into that name. So before that angel came and prophesied, that was the first time you heard of the word Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, they didn't re- refer to him directly as that name, Jesus. Right? They, they spoke about him as the Messiah. I mean, a Messiah is a type in the spirit. Right? The Messiah is a word, is a type. So the concept Jesus, the word Jesus did not come into being until there was, it was time to, it was time to, to raise a, a man to embody those things, those, those, all those types that have been finished in the spirit. Or name all of them, the Messiah, the Lamb, the Lion, or see all those natures, the man who, who can embody them first. That is the man they call Jesus. Does that make any sense to you? Uh-huh. But was there a second person of the Trinity before that? Of course there was. The second person of the Trinity is the Logos. Right? It's the Logos. That's the second entity in, in the Trinity. Amen. It was later in John chapter 1, and I began to tell us that, and the Logos was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. If the Logos was made flesh, there was a time it had not yet been made flesh. Do you understand what I mean? So it was it's that Logos that actually came down and then it was embodied in, by flesh. Logos embodied by flesh. So, so what, what you see is, so when you say Jesus, it's not scripturally accurate to call Jesus the second person of the Trinity. Because when you now open Jesus, you now know that he has inherited everything. That Holy Ghost is inside him. Father's nature is inside him. The Christ nature is inside him. Then all of the Logos is inside of him. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. Now, what Jesus, what Jesus should become, what he became, is what you should become. So Jesus was not to become second person of Trinity. If so, then you say that is your own destiny. So what be the second person of the Trinity? Those are two, we mix different frames of language together. We jumble everything together because of lack of understanding, lack of light. So when you're saying Jesus, you're not talking in terms of the persons of God. Jesus is a man. He was a man like you and I who was born in Judea, Bethlehem of Judea was a young child who grew up the same way you grew up. The same thing that was the way you, passions you have, the same human spirit, kind of human spirit. That's the same kind of human spirit that he had. Amen. So, but what, what put Jesus where he is is by inheritance. According to Hebrews chapter 1, he has by inheritance obtained the word, a more excellent name. 
than they. Amen. Then God told him in that Hebrews chapter 1, he said, thou art my son. He said, today have I begotten you. It means that before this today, you were not begotten. It actually, it got to a point where you were actually begotten of God. And then you know the son of a God is also a God also. So a God cannot give birth to anything else that's not a, that's not a God. That's why he said, thy throne, O God, is because he gave birth to him. So by, by virtue of the birth, he is now also a God. So they, can refer, they could refer to the man, Jesus Christ, as O God, because by inheritance, inherited. So you are seeing a technology by which, by which a man can inherit the nature of God. Are you seeing that? So that now gives you the explanation of what I said before when I said the, the picture of Revelation chapter 21 is the picture of God's who are coming out of God. Right? That's so, so when it comes to the end, you find out that there will be gods. Don't be afraid of that concept. The religious mind wants you to be too holy for that kind of thought. I want to say, you shall be God. Hey! No, please. I just want to be Jeff. Humble. And who? Wesley. Benji. That's good for me. Just leave me that way. Don't talk about being God. Then one other wicked, wicked religious spirit. That's what Satan was looking for. Don't look for what Satan was looking for. Let God be God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, so the word God is, the word God is a, is a very... Um, that we need to be not too afraid of that word itself so we can understand it. Because there is a revelation of God in the Bible. That's the, the main portion of the revelation which God gave to Jesus to give unto his servant was the revelation of God. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ, but not just about all the revelation. It's a particular aspect of the revelation which Jesus had. It's the revelation, revelation which God gave to him. Praise God. The revelation which what? Which God gave to him. It's actually a revelation. It's the revelation of God. Praise the Lord. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And so when you, when you, what makes people run away from everlasting life is because that everlasting life you know, souls are interesting. A soul doesn't have a problem with everlasting life when you tell them that that's the life you had once you got born again. When you say, when you got born again, you had God's life, everlasting life. When you say, it says eternal life, they will agree. You had eternal life when you got born again. As long as you're not talking in ter- about it in terms of dealing with it. Just as long as you're mentioning it abstractly. You got is in your spirit, just somewhere in the spirit, your spirit man somewhere. Spirit man, God's life, eternal life is there. You don't have to, to deal with it. They can accept it. So you see a Christian, any religious Christian will easily accept, I have eternal life. Why? Because I'm born again. They don't fight you there. But when you begin to talk about having eternal life in your nature, your judgment thinking with the thought of how an eternal being thinks and how an everlasting being thinks and, that, and now make it worse. Tell them that 
you can learn it from scripture. Hey, you have caused problem. Do you know how many fights have been fought in this season? Just talking about everlasting life, eternal life. And this is the thing that men have been claiming they have since. But the moment you say, okay, let's now show you the revelation of that thing. All of a sudden, once you begin to tell the man that, that life you've been claiming you have since inside your spirit, man. Okay, it's time for it to be revealed to you. So in your soul, your mind, your emotions, everything, your judgment, you can begin to live like that. How many of you believe that the way God has eternal life is not by claiming that he has it in his spirit? <laughs> if that's the only way God had it, we'll all be suffering because he will be behaving like you and I. What he's saying will not be matching what he's doing. There are some of us he would have killed by now, just by virtue of our misbehaving. He would have just ended you, finish. Why is this so uneven? You're not worthy to bear my name. Cease, cease to exist. Huh? So when you think of God, you realize that when you read mercy in the Bible, it's not just talk. There's actually a being who is merciful. Not just, it's not just, it, it's not an abstract, theoretical, abstract, the way our own is. Our own eternal life is abstract and spiritual and far away. It's a concept. When you need to bring it from concept world into how men live, people will fight you. They will, they will almost kill you. I love, I love how, how Jesus put it. He said, has the father had life in himself? So has he given the son also to have life in himself? As, as, as he had life. So nobody can argue with me that you should have your own eternal life differently from how God has his own. That your own should just be a thing you quote and confess and then you live like a devil and then let God believe in his own really. And God, <laughs> I see the disconnect. That was the labor of Jesus, is to come into that life as the Father had it in himself. Do you see that? Praise God. And I, I love the way um, Jesus described when he was praying to his Father in John chapter 17, verse 1, right? In John 17, verse 1. And after this thing that God, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven, right? And then began to just pray to his father and say, thank you, what? Amen? What did you say? The hour has come glorify your son and your son may, may glorify you. God has given him what? Power over all flesh, that he should give what? To as many as what? As thou as okay, listen. That's right. Do you see that? Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. You're giving him power over all flesh, that he may give eternal life to as many as thou has what? Has given him. What is the meaning of that thing? Like I said before, power means what? Power means stepping, ability. The one who empowers for something. That was when, he, when Jesus said, Thou hast given me power over all flesh. It means that 
through my dealing, the dealings you had with me, no flesh has an excuse to say that they don't have a means to come into the, into what? Because he described without power into eternal life. Do you see that? So count, let's come down and listen to this thing, what Jesus is saying. Let's not just read it quickly and just go away. Let's sit down and think about it. Hmm? Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. He said that you have given me what? Power over all flesh. Power over all flesh. What that means is not, it's not power to kill them if I want or to beat them. He's talking about power over them, over all flesh, that I may God give eternal life to who? As many as you've given me. So the, his, the power that Jesus has over all flesh is for the purpose of giving eternal life to them. So that all flesh, no kind of flesh will have an excuse to say that I don't have the way, the means, the ability to access eternal life. Any soul, let's say someone leaves this earth, goes to heaven, and, and somehow meets Jesus. Because it's not a guarantee. How many of you know that it's not a guarantee to meet Jesus? It's not a guarantee that it's someone will, will, will ever meet Jesus for eternity. It's not a guarantee. Even Christians. It's not a guarantee that every Christian will meet. When I say meet Jesus, I'm talking about interaction with him. Dealing. And you will see someone who has who feel they have met Jesus, but they've not really met Jesus. Why? Because they don't have the ability to relate with his, his true essence and his full essence. That's the, 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 the sad thing about not journeying. Is that when you don't journey, you don't know what things you didn't journey into. You, you, a lot of times you can't imagine what it is. Some of you. The kind of understanding you have today, zoom you back five years ago, this level of understanding you have was, was non-existent impossibility. That when someone gave you a Bible five years ago, what you were looking at is not what you are looking at now. Even when you read all the pages, you do a plan and finish everything. You feel like you've known the Bible. But the same thing is there, but it's not there. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the way it is. You see, many people who they feel, Jesus has appeared to me, but they've not seen Jesus. They've not seen Jesus. Praise God. A soul, a, a soul who is dark, who has ignorance, who has no enlightenment, who has no concept, and then he says he saw Jesus. What did he see? Was it Jesus? No. What he saw was some kind of representation and image of something that can register as Jesus to him. But what will register as Jesus to him is only based on his understanding of what Jesus is. But I can bet you, I can bet you, unless that soul's mind has been, has journeyed, except the soul has journeyed, has been expanded, has then been introduced to the materials, the thought, the framework, the things that constitute the person of Jesus. 
they cannot have communion or any kind of relationship with him. Do you see that? Yes, uh-huh. So Jesus Christ said that he has given me power over all flesh, that so no flesh will have an excuse. Right? And God has that expectation concerning eternal life because in the book of 1 John, he said this is the promise that he has promised us, even what? Eternal life. That's the promise for every soul, the promise for every man. Praise God. Now, I read on. Give eternal life to everyone whom he chose. Then what's the next verse? Now, this is eternal life. Let's define this thing. So they want to now define what it means for a man to have eternal life or to have been given eternal life. Read it. Okay, read it, please. And this is life eternal. Yes, sir. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Whom thou art sent. Amen. That's the definition of eternal life. Knowing. So, when you remove knowledge, any eternal life that doesn't include knowing, which is the kind that we confess that we have when we got born again, it's not eternal life, according to what Jesus is saying. Yeah. That when, so, it means that when Jesus said that I've received power over all flesh to give them eternal life, he wasn't saying that I've received power to make them get born again. That's not what he was talking about. Right? Because he then defined it, he was specific. This eternal life that I was raised to give is that they may know, know knowledge. That they may know thee and then who? Jesus Christ, whom what? Whom thou, whom thou hast sent. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So there's no, uh, uh, there's no ambiguity about this, this whole thing. In the book of 1 John chapter 5 again, let's read that. 1 John 5. <clears throat> if you're there, say amen. <clears throat> First John chapter five, let's read, read verse 20. Yes, what does it say? See, and we know, right? That the Son of God is come and had done what? Given us. And what did the Son give? Is it just a means to be born again? That's why the Son came. So when they say Son of God is come, they are not talking about the Messiah here. They are not talking about the Christ here. Somebody can get born again but has to them the Son of God is not come. They haven't received. What they encounter is the Holy Spirit. They believed, and then they, their spirit got quickened. But to them, when we say son of God, we're talking about the portion of inheritance in Jesus that include his sonship of God. <laughs> so there will be a season when that aspect of him will begin to come to a man. Do you see that? that and then there's that season of him coming in that capacity is defined by something. It's defined by the giving of an understanding. When you say an understanding, it's not saying, ah, it's just to make us understand things. It's, it's a, an understanding. It's a particular understanding. It means to know something's very, very specific. There's actually something specific that the coming of the Son of God to a person brings. So, is that when a person has begun to have, ah, when you say, ah, I begin to have 
be visited by the Son of God. You can tell when, when the person say when the person comes to begins to have visitation of the Son of God, yes. there, there's a way you can judge it according to the scripture. Yes. It's not that ah, I'm a worker in church. No. I'm a Christian, I've been born again for ten, ten, for ten years. It's no. That is that that does not necessitate you having dealing with who? The Son of God. Somebody could have come into the knowledge of Christ, come into some separation and some sanctification, but yet not yet have begun to be visited by the Son of God. So the reason for the visitation of the Son of God is here. It says the Son of God has come and has come to give a particular understanding. There's an understanding that he wants to add to men. That when men get to a certain junction, they bring his visitation. He now begins to talk about something. He says that this understanding is that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Have you seen that? This is the true God and who? Eternal life. So the purpose of God, of the, the visitation of the son of God, is to bring an understanding Understanding of who? An understanding of the true God and what? Eternal life. An understanding. See, an understanding. It's a specific understanding. It's a special understanding. It's an uncommon understanding. It's a special understanding. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go back to the book of Revelation. Amen. Amen. So you see that the everlasting gospel in verse 6 praise God is the everlasting gospel here is a particular kind of gospel right, that is, you see in the demarcation, as we're saying, in this chapter, after a while, they now began to bring the everlasting gospel. The everlasting gospel is the gospel of an understanding, right? And I said that chapter 7, chapter 12, chapter 14, they follow the same pattern, the same way the chapters of, of, of Daniel also follow the same pattern. I said that these books are the books about the revelation of what? Of the end. And when I say end times now, end times is not what we thought about. End time means the end of a soul. And I said that the end of a soul is when what? When the soul is getting to what? The nature of a, of a God. And I said that there are different natures of gods. There's the nature of the only true God and eternal life. Then there is another God too, who was a creature, but he was a creature that was created as a God. Praise God. In the book, in the, in the prophets, 
He said that, that his, God, he standeth in the congregation of the mighty, and he judges among the gods. So he is Elohim. Who judges? So it means that the realm of his judgment, which is the realm where those cherubims are, those are gods who stand in his presence, who he judge. Nobody can stand there if they are not what? If they are not a god. Praise the Lord. Now, this, this specific, this specific property of a god is a god is, a, is an entity that has everlasting life. That has everlasting life and what? Eternal life. Or, let me not call it eternal life. Let me not call it everlasting life. Why is it everlasting life? It's a, a God, but uh, I can say that. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, in the, in, the, in, the own, in Satan's own nature, it's not everlasting life. It's everlasting death. Right? The, the, the death of, uh, the life of the devil is death. Mm-hmm. Life here is death here. Life here is death there. Praise God. So, so, but, so it means that the, the, um, the, 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 the sign of a God is that, 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 is that they have everlasting property to their life. Their kind of life has everlasting and eternal properties. Everlasting and eternal properties. Those are the sign of a God. And now, what is, an, what is everlasting and eternal life? Everlasting life. I see eternal life. They are life that has reached their end state. The life that has reached their world, or life form that has reached their end state. Praise God. Do you understand that? Life form that has reached what? Or that has, that has reached their highest potential. They've reached the highest potential, the highest potential of that life. So when the Bible speaks about end times, end time is talking about the time upon his soul. It's, it's very easy to understand once you t- remove body from the equation. Look at soul. Because that's who they were writing scripture to. When these men were writing the Bible, they were looking at soul. They were writing to soul. They're not thinking of Brian when they were writing the Bible. They're thinking of Brian's soul. If you are thinking of Brian, you will misinterpret the Bible. That's why you would think that the mark of the beast is 666 written here, 666 because souls are so dumb, they can't, you can't see anything more than physical, right? And here. Imagine it doesn't occur to people that this mark is not something that they write on your head. It doesn't really occur. Are you seeing how dark, how much darkness there is? So it's the mark of the beast. It means the beast has the mark. Does he also have flesh where they wrote his own? <laughs> Just simple logic should knock that thing off your head. It's a soul mark, it's something spiritual. The, the whole book of Revelation is a book of sign. He signed it and signified it to his servant. You must interpret what they are saying. It has to be interpreted to get the understanding. And the, and the light of interpretation is the, light, is the soul light. When you are now beginning to think about what the soul is doing, ah, scripture will now begin to make sense. The reason why it doesn't make sense a lot of times is because you are, you are trying to apply scripture to, to who they didn't write it to. 
when you're trying to always use scripture for your body, you will turn all the verses to what, about what you, your food, how your food will come, how your money will come, how your house rent will come, how your transport, how your children, I listen to all those things. When you're thinking body, 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 you will abuse the scripture. You have no clue what the scripture is about. So you see, most of interpretation of Bible messages, all kinds of messages that flood the body of Christ, is through men who are using the eyes of the outward man to look at the scripture and to interpret it. But when you begin to consider that this thing was written about souls, the way you interpret it will change. It will change just completely. When you see God say, I want to bless a man, you won't first think giving you things. It's very clear that God, when God said, I will bless you, he wants to bless the soul. Then what does blessing mean to a soul? Does it mean giving him money? Of course not. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, uh-huh. So that's one veil that should fall off. Otherwise, this revelation, you will abuse the whole scripture. You think that the, the dragon has a horn. You're waiting for a beast with horns like this that will come physically with horns. Or rather, you're talking about another being that has a monstrosity of a nature in the soul. But it it means that he can be wearing a nice smile and a very intelligent, clean man. But his soul is a monster. Now, do you know what a monster soul looks like? When you say this soul is, ah, that's a bad soul. Wicked, 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 wicked. Wickedness is not defined according to man's standard. Someone can give you money and is a wicked man. Can take care of your need and is wicked. Make sure you never suffer, never lack, but is wicked. Wicked concerning what is what he can what what he's doing can do to your soul. That's how they judge wickedness. In the spirit. <laughs> when it comes to natural things, you know, I've discovered that Satan is more anointed than men of God when it comes to prov- providing. Yes, System of how to get needs met. Don't, if you want to see, if you, that's why I, say, I always say that if it's money you want to make, don't come to church. Church people don't have money. And I know what? They will never have. That's not their inheritance. God will make sure. There's, also, there's something about around church Christianity that always fights money. People will hate what I'm saying. Ah! Okay. I'm, what is some kind of mind hearing me now? Yay! What do you mean? Our God is a good God and all that I've heard. But all I'm just trying to say is that you can never have money the way the world has. It's a fantasy and it will never happen. Because that's not the inheritance of the church. Will God meet your needs, of course? Will he take care of you, of course? Are you getting what I'm saying? But all those things, Jesus, and those, these things are not hidden in the Bible. They're plainly, very plain there. Plainly. Don't seek all these things, man. This, after these things, Gentiles seek. Leave it for them. You seek it first, the kingdom. And then what you need will be added to you. Yes. Yeah. Add it. It's addition. At the end, they will add it to you. When, when it's conducive, when it's not going to be hazardous to your soul, when it won't interfere yeah. with the program, when it won't interfere with what God is doing. Yeah. Are you seeing? So heaven, they think so, 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 so. 
Men think body, 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 outward, 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 house, car, land, things, blowing, becoming big, becoming, as our men think. Well, heaven don't think that. And then we think, we want to force God to think that way. In church. But God said, no, I can never think that way. So, this thing is not suffering gospel. Some people might think, ah, this is just God just wants to suffer people. Do you not say, ah, this is not my God, oh, my God is a good God and all that. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? So all I'm just trying to say is that you need the right eyes to rightly divide in the word of truth. Workman, workman, study to show yourself approved unto God. The workman are needed not to be ashamed. There's, there's a place of area of shame when it comes to the things of God. That God can be ashamed. There are people who should be ashamed when it comes to how they handle the truth. Or how, how they, it's a thing of shame to reduce the, 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 the holy scripture to an instrument to serve the corrupt flesh of men. It's, an, it's a shameful thing for a man to do such a thing with the holy thing. So when God wants to raise people, ministers of his, when I'm saying ministers right now, I'm not talking just about preachers who preach on the pulpit. I mean, who are ministers of God? Ministers are people who bear the life of God. Yes, right? Who have God's life and who are, who are charged with the responsibility of being light upon the earth, like Jesus Christ said. That you cannot light a candle and put it under a bushel. If there is light, it will be upon the, All men will see. So you are the light of the world. That, that you, you are the ministers to the world. The light of the world are the ministers to the world. Praise the Lord. So, so, is that, so what I mean is that it's not just, just when it's rightly dividing the word of truth, the division of the word of truth is for, is for profit thereby. It's for living. So if you are living in a way that is abusive to the main thought of the scripture, you, should be, you are living a shameful life. In the world, they will be ashamed of you in the spirit. Jesus will be ashamed of you. Jesus will not be talking about you when he's talking to his father. When he's calling his people, he won't call your name. He's trying to hide you. They won't be mentioning you in, that, in, the, in the spirit because of the perverted, shameful attitude towards the And people like shame. Satan has made men love the sh- what, what men glory in on the earth is shameful in heaven. But because we don't know it, are you getting, there are some thoughts that are, the way you have foul odors on the earth, that have certain thoughts and ideas stink in the spirit. And some of us carry it. Our whole mind is full of it. <laughs> we, we just, we're carrying stink around. I, I, and you wonder why it's like there's no presence of God around, nothing, things are just... You're looking for angel. Angel, angel is like, man, we are coming, you know, just... Uh, <laughs> no worry. From afar. We are with the Lord, we are praying for you. Because you don't want to let go of your stench. What's the stench? Say, corruption stinks. When you, when, you, when you make covenant with the corruptible, what is covenant with the corruptible? It means I will never stop the attitude of ephemeral things being my life. I will never stop defining my existence by things that will pass away. That's a stinking attitude in the spirit. And it's shameful. 
praise God. It is, it is, it is an attitude that is, it is, um, it is hostile to glory, to glory and to beauty in the realm of the spirit. Praise the Lord. So, um, the Lord will, will help us. Praise God. So, when we're talking about this thing, this everlasting life, this everlasting life is, is trying to, to bring souls. The, the, the Bible calls it an expected end. He said, I know the thoughts I have towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. So that expected end is himself. God himself is the expected end. God himself is the end. When God made man and he set, he set the trajectory of how souls should go. Now this soul should, like when he set Adam in the garden, Adam should be changing and changing. And changing till one day he should awaken my likeness. Yeah. One day he should live in my sight. If he's living in my sight, it means one day he has become a God. Yeah. Rather, my sight means judgment. Yeah. Means that I want to be able to judge man one day. How many of you believe that? So when he says he's standard in the congregation of the mighty, and God judges among the gods, what he means by he judging among the gods is that there are other gods living in sight. When you say the, the living creatures, the four living creatures, they are, they are creatures who stand to excite God's judgment. You know, judgment is not to punish always. Judgment just means, judgment is the leisure in the realm of God. When you say God, God, the judge of all. God judges. So, it, judgment is their leisure. Judgment is their is their, is how they play. Judgment is their excitement. Judgment is their joy. Judgment is their recreation. Like the father and the son, they, is judgment. What do they share? They share judgments to each other. Do you know judgment is joy? Judgment. In that judgment is fellowship. Because judgment means exercise of mind. When you say, what is the joy in fellowship? The joy in fellowship is when mind can touch mind. Are you there? I'm here. Are you there too? I hear. Ah, okay. What about this matter? That matter? Ah, this and this and this about the matter. Really? Ah, you see that way too? Ah, yeah. That is, I think I'm describing fellowship to you. Anything outside that is not fellowship. That's fellowship. Fellows. They are fellows. So, fellowship, so judgment is what is the, is the tool of fellowship. Judgment is the excitement of fellowship. When the father and the son are talking about, what are they talking about? They're not talking about the, how the, the cost of gas or anything. What are they, what do they, what is their gist? Can you tell me what is their, what is their gist about? It's about their life now. When you fellowship with God, what do, you, what do you talk to God about? Many of us, we talk to God about all kinds of things, but you won't break into fellowship. Those things can never make you joyful. How many of you have ever prayed about your problem and you became joyful before? <laughs> God, this brother you gave me has been troubling me. Can you look for another house for him?
you can never talk to God about anything on the earth and, 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 and receive joy. And then, and then, when I say joy, I don't mean making yourself happy. You know, sometimes you can pray, and then, when you now pray, my million dollars, ah, I can see it. I can see it. Ah, oh my God. The eyes of faith. Thank you, Jesus. That's not the joy of fellowship. Because in all those, your million dollars, God didn't say anything. You are just enjoying your corruption. Your, you are enjoying your corrupt mind in Jesus' name. In prayer, you just bring out all your corruption and be talking about them and get yourself happy. But that's not the joy of fellowship. You, you, you've not enjoyed fellowship until God has talked. Until God has said something. Until you are able to touch or tamper with a matter that matters to him. Until you are able to, to tap and, and access, sense the, the vibration of his own mind. You, know, you can sense such a thing. That's what communion is. When by, by revelation, that's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is to bring you into fellowship. It's the facilitator of fellowship. The Holy Spirit will will raise the thought, can raise the thought at God's level. When he raises the thought at God's level, in that thought, you see God in it. You see God. The th- you know, and that's the thing with God's thoughts. The thing with God's thought is that the, the, praise God. Is there a problem? Amen. Thank you. God's, the thing with God's thought is that God's thought, um, oh, thank you. I don't know. Hey. I just feel like talking in, about some things today that will make me happy. I don't know, if, is, that, is that the message? What I'm seeing, is that the message? Or is it just to, to excite me? <laughs> Praise God. Maybe I should keep them and go and think about them later. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. There's one beautiful thing about God's thought is that every time you find, and that is his word, when anytime you find God's thoughts, they, 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 they always try to create his image. They're trying to create him. They try to create him. Once you have a revelation concerning the nature of God, you know, they scatter these things around the scripture. Every time, each one is looking for their own mate. They want to create an image, an aspect of his nature. For what? For you to fellowship with. For you to fellowship with. Thoughts are like, thoughts are powerful. Thoughts are powerful. Thoughts can recreate God for you in, in, in fellowship, in meditation. In meditation, you will, thought recreate God. When is a thought that's not just a, a thought? It's a thought that, is, that has breath. What is the breath? The breath is the spirit. No, that's who the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost is he who, he who, the Holy Ghost will search out properties of God. Then he will breathe inside them to create the animation of God. That's the spirit. Who is the Holy? The spirit is he who makes God move. By the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is a transporter of God. That's just his job, just to transport God. At different levels, you can transport Christ, bring him. A man who is meditating in his own room, 
fellowshipping with certain thought. That spirit will just come there. Through the scripture, through thought, you will just begin to bring them together. And then he will begin to, he will pour his breath upon it. And someone who is just made by thought can see a walking Christ. Can see a moving Christ. He can see a loving Christ. He can see Christ in different, in the different dimension. Through thought, one can cite Christ acting out his kindnesses <laughs> by thought. The Holy Spirit will magnify that aspect of the nature to the soul, and the soul is fellowshipping with it. Fellowship, fellowship with karma, tula laba, sota ligre, tona, inkabara laba, otia sapaha, toli kresu, siska, zazaza, imahata. When a soul comes, when a soul, nobody can fellowship with Christ at that level and, and not come into transformation with that kind of fellowship. See, that, that kind of fellowship is a fellowship that transforms. It's a fellowship that changes. In that kind of fellowship, that's where, when you speak about, when he speaks about the joy of the Lord, right? When he spoke about in the book of Nehemiah. Remember when they spoke about the joy of the Lord in the book of Nehemiah? After they had taken Israel captivity for a long time. They forgot everything about their God, about everything about Yahweh. They were in a strange land. Then Exodus began, or exile, sorry. Then they, they, they brought a, a certain company, and the priest Ezra, he was, he was, Ezra was a priest of the book. So they brought Ezra among the people, and after a long time, they had never heard about the Bible. Then when he began, he set this, the priests among the people. So that was a very serious operation. The main guy, he was reading it from the main point, but he now sent other priests among close to the ears of the people to be reciting what he's saying closely. So he went to surround them with the ambience of the law as they started talking about the law. From morning to night, from morning to night, they were just reading it. They were reading it. What happened? Now they began to cry. They began to weep. So I said, said so weep not for the joy. The joy of the Lord is what? It's your strength. It's your strength. Is, is that, that's, that's, that cry, the cry, was a mixed cry. It's a, it's a cry of thankfulness. But it was a cry of they, they remembered. Oh, they remembered the, the, the feeling, the ambience with the law. I'm talking of Old Testament. Remember that Old Testament is glorious. Do you know that? It's not without glory. Even though that it's glorious in one way. Praise God. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it said it was glorious. That old covenant was glorious. Even though they said that that which was glorious has no glory in this respect by virtue of the glory that excelled. The glory that excelled is the glory of the New Testament. So if that one be glory, how much more? How much more? If a whole nation can begin to weep, because they haven't heard the sound of their... The, you know, do you know when, when they are reading the law, they hear the attitude of their God inside the things that were said to Moses. That's what was making them cry. They, they can never hear, they've never heard such attitude for, for a long time, for years. For years. All they were hearing, oh, king, live forever. A dead, corrupt king. 
his sorcerers, they eulogize him, everything. Imagine when you're eulogizing a dead man. What will you talk about? It won't pass his gold. Oh, king, beautiful necklace this morning, oh, king. What a nice wrapper you are wearing. And that's the kind of worship they do in Babylon. The book had, uh, you know, by that time, they have moved beyond the Babylonish reign. So the kingdom had also has, has, has evolved so into the Middle Persian kind of empire. Praise the Lord. So, when, so imagine how, and those men, they position themselves as gods. So when you're in such a place, you must worship them. That's what Israel found. And it was strange to Israel. Israel were used to worshiping around things that came from heaven, raw. Like the Lord did. The Lord came raw from heaven, raw from fresh. It wasn't in the wilderness. They didn't dig somewhere in the wilderness to find it. It wasn't there before. It came down from heaven. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's what they are used to. When you say worship to a Jew, they know. They are talking about, even though they don't understand it, they can smell it. There's something about this, this Lord thing, this God thing. It's, it's nice, but those hidden nations are different. They brought them to Babylon. And I saw that, ah, what do you guys worship here, man? It's Kingo. When they say they are going to church in the morning, where are they going to? Nebu? They are going to... And you see, it's not bad. That's what caused problems now. They told the Jewish guys, look, man. There's a what we worship here. The king is the God. Amen. And they said no. We don't worship beings like that. They're not worthy of being worshipped. King, sir, you're not worthy of worship. With all due respect. <laughs> so, I mean, those, those guys have been so possessed with the, the law. They could tell that you can't worship the corruptible thing. This man is corruptible. His breath's in his nostrils. He can die tomorrow. Why would I worship him? There was some sense concerning that. So you, so you get a sense of why they, they cried when they began to hear the law. After what they had been subject to under bondage. Being worshipping corruption constantly. You know what worship corruption looks like? When the whole point, if you're you under the Middle Persian king, kingdom, all they think about is how to conquer, how to gain more territory how to gain more ground, how to conquer. That's how they came and took the Israelites, just to conquer. So expansion, riches, pumping up and blowing up themselves. That's all their business. So imagine the weariness of soul that the Israel, I know Israel, they are not configured for that kind of thing. Israel is a nation who God, God fights the battle. They don't think about expansion. God is the one who, teach, who does it for them. Amen. Look at the whole time they were joining the wilderness. They don't, if you say an average Jew, hmm? eh? if you say an average Jew, it doesn't look like anybody who, should, who can fight. They were going to nations. Some of those nations are giants. Some of those nations, you no know, Gentile nations. They were, you know when you see the Gentile nations, when you see nations side by side, 
They've been fighting, fighting, fighting for generations. They war because they don't have gods. They must be strong to keep themselves. So when you meet the army of a Gentile nation, you're not talking about ordinary people. When you see their chest alone, you will just, you will just, you will do what? <laughs> you will lose heart. And God knows that Israel can see. He said, let, let, me, let them take through the wilderness and take them through some things. Let this, let they will see war and do what? And run back. What does it say war and run? War and men, face. Is what you call war. <laughs> Then you can look at the face and see war in the face. God knows that if these people meet these guys, they are like that. So let's give them time to put some strength in them. Now, what was the strength God put in Israel in the wilderness? Was it Jimmy? <laughs> oh, you Israel, align yourself according to your tribe today. We are moving from 20 pounds to 35 pounds. Raise your bicep. God was training them to make war with nation, but it wasn't by, by, by push-up and everything. It wasn't by that. Something else. Israel they, Israel, they war differently from other nations. They just sing and dance. Their God is fighting their war for them. <laughs> what kind of nation is that? <laughs> when... when when the nation, when they make, when they war with Israel, hmm? the wars who survive, when they get back home, the eye cannot describe what they, they can't describe what the eye saw. <laughs> because when you are fighting with them, after a while you're like fighting with heaven, you just, only God knows what kind of thing those men fighting Israel in the wilderness, what they would have seen with their eyes. What they would have, the, the dread. After a while, their, their story began to spread to all the nation. These people, that's what provoked Balak. Balak was a strong king. He became afraid. Hey! These people, even with his strong army and everything, said, let's not wait for them to come here. These are a different breed of people. Let's go and look for a, a prophet. So you know, this is not a canal thing. We have to, let's fight spirit with what? Spirit with spirit. Then he went to look for the most deadly prophet in the land. The most, you know, when you look for, you say, say Balaam. Balaam. Balaam is not an ordinary guy. Balaam was actually a priest of God. He says he, says he sees vision with his eye open. He doesn't need to close his eye. Praise God. But when he, I, I'm just going to show you the, the extent of blessedness of Israel. You see all those mountains that Balaam's climbed, the Balaam climbed? Those are the, you know, prophets, they have places they go. You see mountain? mountain. Prophets know mountain where they connect. They know, there are mountains of prophetic accuracy. And Balaam knows those mountains. He said, no problem, I will do this job. He climbed the first one, he saw Israel. Hey, what is this? I'm sure when he saw them, he saw what all the nations were fighting against. <laughs> Just a formation of, I know he because he is, Balaam is a priest, he knows things. Must have seen the way God arranged the tribe. Four here, four tribes here, four tribes here, four tribes here. Brought out, he saw the priestly nation in the middle, saw the tabernacle, saw how they arranged them. Hey, he knows what those things mean in the spirit. 
Because when he sees it, he looks at heaven, he sees that arrangement. The same arrangement he sees in heaven. So he saw a nation bearing that formation. And when he tried to cause blessing, it means the, the arrangement of Israel provoked blessing. So, so the, God arranged the same arrangement that makes God always bless when he sees Israel. It's the same thing that Balaam. So why would he not bless them? Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So where did they get that wisdom from? Where did they get the wisdom from? Because they, imagine a nation that could trap the presence. That was what God taught Moses. It was the technology of how can a, a physical nation trap God's presence upon the earth. So I was just saying all this story just to talk about the, you're talking about the law. That was just the glory of the law of the Old Testament. Now, I used to know this description of the blessedness, the glory of that old covenant. Second Corinthians chapter 3 said that that which was glorious, that old one, has no glory in this respect because of the glory that excelled. Say the glory that excelled. The glory that excelled. Are you seeing what was happening to Israel? There should be a type of that that should be going on to your soul. When you begin to look at the, the New Testament, the pattern of the writing that God has given. So when a soul is meditating on scriptural revelation, you, you are meditating on glorious blessing. Moses saw Old Testament his face began to shine. He had to cover it. What will happen to his soul? Who beholds the perfect law of liberty? <clears throat> the same way the Old Testament, the law given by God, are rearranged Israel and made them into a formidable nation. You need to understand what, that, what made them formidable. It's alignment. All those things are types. They are teachings. Just teaching you. They are all teachings for New Testament souls to understand. So when you are reading the Old Testament, you should know what is designed to happen to you in your soul when you invest in the New Testament. So as they did everything according to the pattern that Moses gave, how he should arrange the nation, everything he did, he did it concerning the entire nation. They became a formidable people upon the earth. You cannot separate them from blessing. You could not. You, could, you can't. The only way you can separate them is you must break their formation. Like eventually, ba- Balaam had breakthrough. He knew what to do. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So if the law could do that, right, how did they do it? The Old Testament. Translating Laws that were words, what God said. Things concerning the covenant, the testament, all that God said. Taking that thing and then bringing an alignment of the nation according to that, that understanding. When the nation fell into alignment, how do, you, how do you know that what was happening to, the, to Israel was 
transformation or change of image. What God went to do in the wilderness is to change the image of the nation. Just change the image. They didn't change the image of the nation in, in Egypt. The way they survived Egypt was through some kind of, uh, was a different method entirely. God had to do it artificially. First of all, he has to make sure that all of you, when his angel of death is passing, he must never see you. Because when he sees you, the way you are, you are not Israel. You are, you are Egypt. When he sees you, he sees Egypt. Because those guys have been in Egypt for so long that to, to, to Israel, they, are, they were Egyptians in their nature. So instead, he said, just go and hide yourself, all of you, inside the house. Then lock your door, lock everything. Then we'll use a different method, blood. Blood of an animal. Just to cover it. So that when he, come, when he see the blood, he will pass over. You get what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So God, God used Moses to give him another sense. Sense. A sense. Sense. Blood. Now, that thing called blood, there is a provision of blood before journey. But that is not the, the entire provision. Don't hide. Many of us want our entire Christian journey to be you hiding inside the house in Egypt. Why are you hiding? The blood is covering me. The blood of Jesus. Okay, can you tell me anything concerning that blood? No, we don't need to know. We just hide here. When, once they see the blood, they will pass over. But there has to be one day that Moses will knock on every door. It's time to come out. To, where are we going to? We are going to serve God. Okay. <laughs> so it, it, there will be a time when they want to put what is in the blood, make you into what the blood is. You can't do that without journey. To make, so it means that Israel, when it comes to real blessing, a blessed nation, Israel was not blessed really in Egypt. God did not bless Israel. Instead, God blessed the land where they were staying. And they were in Goshen. He blessed a portion of Egyptian land and left them there. But they themselves were not blessed. If God left them to Pharaoh, Pharaoh would have finished them. Pharaoh wasn't afraid of them. He could have killed all of them. So it's very clear that the Israel who left Egypt is not the same nation that began to deal with all kinds of nations. So as they went from one nation to another, from one people to another people, he suffered no one to do them wrong, but rebuked kings for their sake, saying, touch not my anointed, and do my word, my prophet, no harm. That's what God says towards the blessed people. When people who blessing has rested on them by virtue of, of, of receiving the, the, the wisdom that can trap the presence of God. They didn't have the presence of God in Egypt. That's why they had to go and hide. So in Egypt, angel was coming. They had to hide from the angel in order for the angel not to kill them. But in the wilderness, is training to walk with an angel. After a while, God sent the angel. Cloud by day, fire by night. That's an angel. Praise God. So it's very clear that journey must occur. 
purpose of the wilderness is to, wilderness season is to make a soul inseparable from blessing. The purpose of wilderness is to weave blessing into a soul, to make the soul blessed. That's the New, that's the New Testament. In the New Testament, the, the training, say, leading. Leading. The purpose of leading of the Spirit. Israel was never led until Moses came. And they crossed the race and they began to be led. The purpose of leading is to tie blessing to the soul. Tie, make the soul blessed. You cannot produce a blessed soul except the soul has been what? Has been led by God. How, does, how is the soul led by God? Expose them to covenant pattern. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. So this gospel, let's quickly just see that revelation. We just, we're stuck in one place. Praise the Lord. I don't know if I'm saying something to you at all today. Praise God. So the angel, chapter 14, Right. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the word, everlasting word, gospel to what? Preach unto them that dwell on earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and what? People, saying with a loud voice, fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea, and the fountains of what waters. Now, so, I've tried to describe this everlasting gospel in different ways. Now, the way they are describing it here is that the everlasting gospel is the gospel that brings the hour of his judgment to his soul. Did you just read that? Preach to them that dwell on the earth, to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, Saying with a loud voice, fear God. So it brings the fear of God. It brings, and then give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come. So it means that that hour of his judgment, the time when of the giving of his judgment, which will cause men to worship him. That word worship there is service. Now, so the, this everlasting gospel, which is being preached unto every tongue and nation, is the same ministry of which you see the Lamb doing in Revelation chapter 7, when he says he will feed them, and then he will lead them into what? Living fountains of what? Waters. He will feed them and lead them into what? Living fountain of waters. Now, the purpose of this gospel is for to bring the soul into the the realm of God. What is the realm of God? It's the realm of God, what? God's judgments. The realm of God's word. The realm of God's judgment. To bring a soul into the realm of God. How does a soul enter the realm of God's judgment? See, that, that invisible, difficult, impossible place to enter that you cannot conceptualize is by, say, everlasting. Everlasting, everlasting gospel. So the everlasting gospel is the gospel that animates the judgment of God. It animates the judgment of God. It's, 
Like when I say animate, you know, I'm using that word by, I'm talking about the spirit with the Holy Ghost, which is the, the spirit of leading. But leading according to a God. You know, the Holy Ghost uses gospels to lead. It's what news can your soul access? He uses that news to lead the soul. There's first leading in the realm of Christ, but then there's the leading in the realm of God. So if a soul hasn't gained access to that gospel, this everlasting gospel, the soul will not come into the, the receiving of the judgment of God. And the purpose of receiving judgment is, like I said before, judgment is what facilitates fellowship and facilitates what communion. Or is it fellowship, communion, is what you call worship. Worship or service. They are, they are, these are the same words. Worship or service means, is, means interaction of worshiping or serving a God means dealing and having interaction with the judgment of that being. So when you look at the tabernacle, outer court, holy place, most holy place, you're looking at realms of different levels of judgment. When you see the Levite in the outer court, what they are doing, someone who is just outside, who hasn't gained any separation, can't do what they are doing. Why? Because he doesn't have the, the sight, the insight, the knowledge, the wisdom, how they handle service around that, or that gold, that, that brazen altar in the, on the, in the courts. There's something about that. Thing. You will see different kind of judgments at work. So it's very clear that the service in that realm is interwoven into the pattern of things in that place. And when you say, when you talk about tabernacle, temple, tabernacle temple of, of God, it just means it is a kind of a place of dealings or a place of activity that has interwoven into it the wisdom and the judgment pertaining to the entity, pertaining to the person. Now, I'll tell you what, what tabernacle and all these things mean. The tabernacle temple is the place where the tabernacle of the temple is the teacher of the, of the nature of God. Is the, is the, or let me call it, is the elaborate representation of the nature of God in its different resolutions. That if someone will, be, will go outside the temple or the tabernacle and want to know God, you can never know God. Why? You will never find a place where you can interact with things that carry the pattern of his knowledge. Do you get what I'm saying? Like an Israelite cannot go to his backyard and buy farming and cattle rearing. Be, be, be brought closer to God. You see that his cattle rearing and his farming, he's doing it well and diligently, but he's having nothing to do with his state. Because he's having nothing to do. You get what I'm saying? It means that his land and what he does, he arranges farm by himself. He doesn't contain the pattern of things. Do you get what I'm trying to say? 
But when you, when you come to the tabernacle, you find out that when you come to the tabernacle, people come there, and to a great degree, something happened to the sinfulness of their flesh. They can't do it by themselves at home. They must bring their, or their offering. Somebody who is knowledgeable concerning that realm will, and will receive their offering from them. Use it to do things. Do you get what I'm saying? That can gain access to, the, to God. So you now see that the Old Testament is showing pattern that in the outer court, you can't bring your own sacrifice and, and no, no Israelite will come and bring his own sacrifice and then take it by his own self, his own hand, or fight by himself on the altar to be an abomination. He's not raised to do that. Why? Because he doesn't have the knowledge of that sacrifice. Neither can he just stroll into the holy place and then begin to use the cup, drink wine, eat the chew bread, whatever he sits there, go to the golden altar, take coals, and he can't do that. He doesn't have the, the knowledge for the place. It means that each of those things have their use. That you can't separate the knowledge from the... It's someone who, owns, who has the knowledge of that place who can deal with those utensils and operate. And you now see, the further you go, the closer you are to God. When you get to the most holy, it's another different world of operation in that place. He takes the higher knowledge. Uh-huh. You see that. Now, so in the same thing it is when it comes to the journey of the soul towards God, towards the end of the soul, is the, the, where God is by nature. Like where God is by nature. That's where commas. You know, but the Bible calls people who go to the temple or tabernacle in the Old Testament as commas. So commas are those who are coming to God. So, commas to God, they must come by gospel. Gospel means news of, the, of where he is. You can't assume it. You will never find it. So, when Jesus speak, spoke about, you give me power over all flesh. Those all flesh is all these nations and kindred and tongue and people, which they speak about here. To give eternal life to them. How, what made Jesus powerful to give that, that thing, that precious thing to them? It's because in his knowledge, in his knowledge, he has embodied the knowledge. Praise the Lord. The knowledge which men will come into that contain the pattern of that kind of, of, that kind of, of, that kind of journey. Amen. Am I making some sense to you? Amen. So when you are dealing with, when you are dealing with those things, imagine the, the, imagine the, the thought about how to, what to do with the candlestick in the sanctuary. You know how priests do all those things. The Lord told Moses to teach them, teach Aaron and his sons all those things about that. And now there's equivalent of that in New Testament. Are you getting what I'm saying? The equivalent of that knowledge, priestly knowledge, is what the Gospels, or the, what we call the oracles of God in the New Testament, is teaching. He's teaching their things. Now, the same way when a priest or a high priest is handling coal from the altar in the holy place, and those utensils, to him, he might not feel like he's handling God. 
He feels like he's handling utensils. When they are teaching him, ah, this is where this thing stays. This is where this thing, put this thing here. Don't do this this way, you have to do this way. He might not know he's learning God. But try and go near God without knowing that thing. Two of Iran's children died. They tried it. Nidab and Abihu. They went. They fell. Why? We can enter that place. When it says strange fire, strange fire is fire that's brought without the knowledge of that fire. You don't know what that thing is. You think I just carry coals and whatever? This is how. This is how he does it. You don't know what. Why? Why is acceptable? Why does it go in and come out? You don't know why. It's about knowledge. Are you seeing that thing? It's a type. They, they tie knowledge of things. You must, knowledge of, imagine the details in priesthood. How detailed is the priesthood that it will take a soul 30 years to learn? It's a high learning. It's higher than going to war. From 20 years, you can go to war. But you can't be a priest until you are 30. You must stay and you must learn. You must you master the thing, the attitude of the house. The depth. You must stay there until the cop start talking to you. The bread will start talking to you. The, the light will start talking to you. You become one with the knowledge of the place. When you, you looking at those things, you begin to see. Ah! You can be looking at the, the, the arrangement, you see holinesses separations in God on clean, sorry, cleanliness and holy, hallowed nature of God. Separation, attitude that is different from the way men do things is the attitude of the house. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Hey, hey, are you seeing that? Are you seeing that way? That's the, that's the, that's the, t- so no soul will get to this thing we're talking about, this everlasting life, eternal life, until you get, gain that same attitude What's the attitude? When they're talking about the seal of the living God, can there be something in you that can ask yourself, okay, what is this seal? And then, want to find out what does the scripture say concerning the seal? Are you getting what I'm saying? Then when you make such an inquisition, by heart, by grace seals of ministry, which God has brought, materials concerning those, that particular thing can begin to come. Drops and drops and drops. Then after a while, the Holy Ghost will begin to animate that. This seemingly scattered things. Seemingly scattered. Like when you read the pattern of God giving Moses how to build the house, you can use yourself, you can get confused sometimes. And thou shalt take a, this and that, and thou shalt do And he was talking about, was talking about a house. Precept, 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 precept. Here a little, there a little. Yeah, line upon line. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So, the dealing of those, of that thing, so, so it's very clear that worship, when you say worship, raising a worshiper, is actually the installment of all the judgments. They are the judgment of God's tabernacling. How, how does God tabernacle? How does God see it? it, it so it means that it's, how do they put inside a soul the things that must be in his soul for one day his God to come and reveal himself? 
Like when Moses finished the house, the last day, as soon as they finished it, put the ark and the testimony in the, when they finished all the pattern, as soon as that happened, the Bible says the glory of God descended and came. Remove one thing out of his place, you won't find that glory there anyway. But it's very possible that if before Moses finished building the house, according to, then the Bible says he built it according to the pattern which he saw on the mountain. Maybe, maybe Moses was telling them, ah, the glory is going to descend in this house, man. I'm sure, imagine Aaron and his son watching him, okay. So <laughs> you say we should put rod and carpet and table. No, no, Allah, Moses, who put it. We'll do it, no problem. Where, where do you want the shoe bread? Is it here? You want the shoe bread in this corner? Okay. We'll put the shoe bread there. No, no, Allah. No. Can this candles, is this seven or eight? How many menorah? How many candlestick? Moses was, Moses was talking. They probably never believe that that kind of house can carry the glory of God. They say, Moses, let's see. The same, they are the same way we are right now. Eternal life, huh? Okay, let's see. Let's be going now. She, at least you say we should come. We should be listening to message. We should be going. No. You say we'll be like God. Okay, now. She, we follow this revelation. We'll read it. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The same thing. The same thing. The same thing. But the Bible says that Moses was faithful in all his house. What's faithful? It means that he was faithful, he was careful to build all things according to the pattern that was showed him upon the mountain. According to the pattern. Now, the question that everyone is asking is that, do they have those kind of people in this kind of generation? Are there, are there people who can, say, who can say, this thing will learn everything, whatever it takes for the eternal God to abide? In my soul, all the precepts will never get tired. Even though we are not seeing it, we will keep learning them. Can there be such a people? That's, what, that's the question that everyone is asking. I'm sure they are watching us. Ah, let's see. They are watching us and they are hopeful. You know the way they are? They, they believe all things. They hope all things. When, when they are talking to you, they will talk to you as if they want to make you like God today, today. The intensity. Look at the way the Lord was ministering to us today. Look at the way he was talking. I was like, God, 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 God. How can you be talking like this to us? Can't you see we are unserious people? Have you ever sensed the nature of God when he begins to talk about his, about his intention? What he wants to do? Hey! Yeah, this is a being of faith. Me, I know for sure that any being who can have faith on me, me, not you, you guys are holy people, on me, being like him. Ah. It's true, he said he believed, he collected those things which being others, don't they? That's, that's just his nature. But they believe it. There's, a, there's a way they are framed. They don't look for when they want to do something great, they don't look for great things. When God wants to do something, he doesn't look for something. He looks for nothing. If he looks for something, it's not God. He looks for a nothing to make it something. If he looks for the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. 
That's the way God is. When you are strong, he doesn't... Ah! Ah! Kai. I wish I could do things with you. But you see, this strength is a problem. My inward nature doesn't align with strength. We don't... I don't show my strength where I see strength. That's the problem. Is that when you see strength in you, the heaven will just be praying. Is there any way that this being can be compatible with our ministry? Because our ministry comes to helpless people, people who have no strength. When Paul began to beseech, he said, he said to him, I beseech the Lord three times when there was a thorn in my flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. For this, I besought the Lord three times, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you. Well, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That, that weakness kind of thing. When God sees weakness, that's the nature of God. That's what makes him wonderful, awesome, beautiful. When God sees weakness, it rouses him up. He rouses him up. The, the most, the most, you see, so, you see, you surprise the people God will visit in this generation. Some people that they, we've, we've left and said, these guys have no hope. You begin to see them. God will begin to raise them up. God will begin to raise them up. Those who are playing with judgment, wait until people who are, until, until mercy rests fully. We are moving into the days of the intensity of the mercy of God. I was just listening to some of the guys yesterday. They were just telling me their story of how God helped them and brought them into this they told me about their own trajectory, where they were heading to. <laughs> Even when they, when they were telling me this story, I was like, hey, God, how did you do this thing? <laughs> where their mind had, had gone to. And then God just, I don't know, God just, it's like, it's like they, they themselves don't know what happened to them. You know when God said that, when Paul said I was apprehended of him, <laughs> to apprehend his soul, it's like, Heaven will just come and just lose like three knots from their head. This one will lose, lose like two from this one. People who knew them started calling them, Hey, where are you? Our plans, what are you doing? Right? They abandoned plans in the middle of plans. <laughs> <laughs> they have set up things. <laughs> Even the meeting they had encounter, they came with agenda. They went to subvert the meeting and turn it to their own team and use it. Their team. And then God had another plan. <laughs> they don't even know what happened to them. Just say mercy. Mercy, 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 mercy. It's just that God will give us grace to cooperate. When mercy is happening to you, God will give you grace to, to cooperate with mercy. See, because this, this is a merciful journey. Merciful, beautiful, awesome, awesome. There's nothing sweeter than journeying without your strength. Being carried on eagles, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. If they renew their strength, it means that new strength is not really their own, it's another strength that came upon them. They got possessed with a different kind of strength that make them mount upon wings as eagles. They will walk, they know that by this time I should be getting weary, but they are walk, they are still walking. They don't get weary. Why is my leg not getting weary? Another strength. They will walk, they shall not be weak, they shall run, they shall not faint. When others are fainting, because of their own strength is different. They tap into mercy. When they are bringing news to you, news is our portions, particles of mercy. 
tentacles of mercy. They want to bombard your soul with mercy, 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 mercy. While men are contemplating by with strength how they want to get, you know that's how men are? Those who are planning to go to heaven with their righteousness, they are mustering up their strength, how they want to go and meet God. But they will be disappointed. I pray God will help such people and God will do that. But why men are, are gathering up their strength? You, you are, not, you are just receiving strength. It's not the same thing. Men who, who, what? Who flex their muscle are not the same from men who receive strength. God wants to shape you to be a receiver of strength. Who are receivers of strength? Those who wait upon the Lord. They are, the soul is skilled. What is the skill of the soul? They are waiters. Well, all men are going around doing things. They are waiting. They are waiting. But when they are, they are not waiting doing nothing. They are waiting. They are beholding. Beholding. You know, with, by patience. A patient attitude. Beholding the law. Beholding the law. Looking. He who looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Those works that you would do are they are works of grace, not just any how works. The same shall be blessed in what he does. Praise God. Then you one day you see such 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 entities will be will stand. They will stand among the congregation of the mighty. Why? Because of change of judgment. They will be object of the judgment of God. They were speaking concerning Jesus. They spoke about him and everything. He said, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the greats. As I was prophesying concerning him. That portion means inheritance. That as Jesus was just, he was just going around Nazareth. They were, they were leading him. After a while, God divided the portion for him. Portion with the, when you say the great, he's talking about the, the, the realm of greatness in the spirit. Praise the Lord. Where God wants everybody to what? To arrive at. Amen. Amen. The Lord will bless you. Amen. God has plans to bless you. Amen. God has intention to bless you. Amen. When his judgment are coming, they will no longer feel too, too worrisome for you. Because of a different attitude which you are possessed with. You say, okay, I, don't, I really have nothing else to go and do. So let me, I might as well sit down with this thing and take my time. Take my time and hope to the end. Hope to the end for that grace that should come to you at the revelation of who? Of Jesus Christ. God wants to raise servants in the last days. Servants and worshippers who worship him in spirit and in truth because of access to the truth. They frame their soul. They, have, they become compatible with channels of truth. Channels of truth. Channels of truth are the channels by which God downloads his image. Property of his invisible, impossible nature, which men cannot conceptualize. But because your heart is open, the Lord will begin to bring it to you. You begin to experience ministry of the spirit. After a while, you now begin to see the lamb, his footsteps in the spirit. The steps of his nature. You know, it's not just an image of a lamb. It's talking about steps of the nature of the lamb. Of the lamb's nature. You know, a step can be one humility. One meekness. One attitude of trembling can be a step. They can, through judgment, when you stay on the word, on the, on the everlasting gospel for a while, 
the Holy Ghost will begin to breathe such things into your soul, into your mind. You begin to see. You begin to see. Amen. Just begin to bless God now. Just thank Him. Shelima Karihata. Thank you, Father. Raskeli Harapata Likrihebanosia. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Glory to you. Glory to you. Glory to you. Glory to you. Bless you, Lord. Worship you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Father, we bless your name. Thank you. Bless your name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Makari Hoka, Kaka, Pori Kapao. Er Epos, Erenor Prieta Harabaste, Cariado Reperno Tasa, Rekendre to Liprendo, Okramarangari Hoa, Rapapa Papa Pao Hotekhe, O Kalitaha, Kamehamaha, O Nikesesesi Hedo. Evreno, Sendrema Urpatus, Setia Aiha, Haimaha, Amanaha. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, Lord Jesus, we thank you for giving us just a glimpse into the blessed things that make you up. Lord, all we see are beautiful promises promises, wonderful promises which our soul will arrive at by your mercy. But we want to thank you for the privilege that these things can be said to us, that we are candidates to come into such great blessing. We give all the thanks to you tonight. Thank you, Lord. I pray for the impartation, Lord, which this world, this is a visitation from your presence. You've come, you came to infuse our heart with something tonight. Let no heart escape the deposit, Lord, of this, this life and these things, which this fire of, of Lord, of 
this resolution, Father, concerning your intention in our heart. Impregnate our hearts, Lord, with these things. Father, thank you because grace has been shared tonight. Grace has been released. We have caught portions of mercy by virtue of what you have said. Thank you, Lord, for every soul. Holy Ghost, take it and begin to breathe upon this word and let the seed be driven deep into our, our subconscious, into our heart. And Father, begin to let it be an open door. May every mind receive an open door, a fresh open door, Lord, into the economy of this, this thought. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, our Master. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for your presence, for visiting us. Thank you for even the ministry of your angel and his host to, to, for, to bring in their own feeling, their own atmosphere, how, how they feel concerning these things, for letting it rub off on our soul tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the great urgency which you, which you carry this matter on wanting to bless us, to bring us into your nature and into your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give all the glory to your name. We believe it. We give you praise, our Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. you dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.